Have you ever been in a room with a powerful influencer and you have no idea what to say in order to connect with that person? Well, on this next episode of La Dolce Vita, the formula for fabulous living, my guest is going to share her formula on how to have powerful conversations. We're actually going to be talking about her book, The Influential Conversationalist. So stay tuned. Frankie Lee, dimmi, quale senza della vita? The meaning of life is to live la dolce vita, which is the formula for fabulous living. Hi, my name is Heather Pickin, and welcome to the La Dolce Vita Show, the formula for fabulous living. I'm the catalyst in helping you to be more confident, create your dream business, and attract elite clients, and live a fabulous life. Here's Heather, helping you to upgrade your life to fabulous. Upgrade your life to fabulous, right, Frankie? You're fabulous. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of La Dolce Vita, the formula for fabulous living, empowering women in business and women leaders to realize that there is a formula for your success. And I'm really excited about today's guest, Jen Mueller, because she's going to be talking about uh, the formula about being an influential uh, conversationalist. And she actually has her latest book, which she's going to be talking about that in a bit. And I want to share a, a little bit about Jen. I actually uh, met her a couple of years ago. And she is uh, America's expert talker. She pursued a career in sports broadcasting. And this is kind of funny. After uh, people made comments about talks too much. So her teachers and her family members uh, basically told her that. And I think that's kind of interesting. You know, you, you, you take something that said, hey, you know, you're, you're kind of annoying me, but she really embraced it as a gift. So uh, <laughs> I love that story. Uh, Jen currently works as a member of the Seattle Mariners television broadcast on Root Sports and as the Seattle Seahawks sideline radio reporter. And I have to tell you, because I live in Seattle, Washington, when I see Jen uh, on TV, I'm like, oh, there's Jen, go Jen. Uh, she actually founded uh, Talk Sporty to Me in 2009 as a way to leverage sports fandom in business conversations. She provides practical conversation stra strategies based on more than 15 years spent in sports uh, broadcasting. And she's the author of two books. Uh, one of the books is called Talk Sporty to Me. And uh, I think it's really interesting because I have to tell you, Jen, after I read that book, and I don't know if you remember our previous mm -hmm. conversation, but I was not a big sports fan. I'm, I am in a relationship with a man that loves sports. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, we've been talking sporty to each other. And he actually, he just thinks I'm like the best thing since sliced bread. Even because... better than you already were. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, love, I love that book. And I definitely want to talk about uh, your new book. Uh, the Influential Conversationalists. I love that title, and I think it's so important to be an influencer. So, Jen, first off, thank you so much for being my guest today. Sure. 
And I want to talk, you know, or I want to ask you why, uh, why this book? Why was it important for you to write this? You know, it really was my response to people who were asking for things around leadership and specifically things around women's leadership. And I, I sat with that for a long time and I really didn't like the idea for a couple of reasons. One, I believe that leaders lead. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, old or young, there are leadership qualities that anybody can develop and display. Number two, I'm not an expert when it comes to leadership. Everybody has their own you know, take on it, but my expertise really lies in the conversation piece. I am an expert communicator because it's what I do for a living. And it's interesting when you bring up my bio about how I talk too much, totally true. People still think that it's true today. I'm quite certain that it's true today. But what I say in the last chapter of the book is this. The conversation skills that I developed and the way that I learned how to relate to people and position myself in conversations is how I got through every single no that I ever heard in my career. So if somebody told me no, I just figured out how to talk myself into another opportunity. And that's how I ended up where I am. And I do believe that regardless of your title, your position, your current job, when you use conversation skills to your advantage, you set yourself apart and you start being seen as a leader. That's why the book was written. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I feel everyone can benefit from this book, whether you're an entrepreneur or, you know, in your profession, in your career. Do you find that more women are reading this book or do you find it's kind of equally split? You know, I think that it's equally split. This one has less emphasis on sports, although the experts that I talk to in the book are the athletes that I cover. So Doug Baldwin from the Seahawks wrote the forward. There's comments from him, from Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, Cam Chancellor. I really relied on those guys because they're the ones who hear me talk most often. So there's that element, but it's less about sports more about communicating more effectively and making small leverage, you know, low leverage situations into bigger opportunities. Mm, I love that. You know, a lot of times I like to talk about the mistakes, you know, when it comes to having a powerful conversation, especially with someone that is an influencer. So what do you find some of the mistakes people are making? I think people try to become the influencer or influence the influencer in one conversation. And that's never going to happen. So when people ask me, how do you go into a locker room or a clubhouse and have 50 athletes sitting there and get them to trust you and respect you and talk to you? And I say it's not about walking in there one time and trying to demand their respect or trying to get them to take action. It's about building on 30-second intervals of just watching how I interact. It's knowing that you don't have to do it all at one time. And I think that that's one of the biggest mistakes. In business, you think, yes, I know that the first impression makes you know, a huge impact and, and all of these things. And one conversation can change the course of your career. But I guarantee you, it's not the conversation that you spend trying to get the deal done right off the bat. or when you meet the influencer, trying to tell the influencer how great you are for them. That's not how this works. And it really is about committing to doing little things every day over a period of time 
that's going to set you apart. Mm, I love that. And it also sounds like it's really about listening too, because I find a lot of people are, like you were saying, the mistakes that they are making, talking about how great they are. So let's just say you're in a business meeting, you really want to close or seal the deal. Give us some like tips and strategies on, on how, like kind of like your, your plan that you're talking about. So what I would say is this, there is a fine line between talking too much about yourself and knowing how to use a success statement. If I'm to the point where I'm closing a deal, now for me as a sports broadcaster, closing the deal means I am getting the interview that I need at that moment, whether the team has won or lost, whether the guy really wants to talk to me or not, he agrees to do it. In that moment, I already have the trust and the rapport built up or I wouldn't be sitting there or standing there. So all I'm doing is consistently showing up in that moment. He knows why I'm there. He knows what my ask is going to be. It is up to me to confidently make that ask and count on everything else I've done to, to really solidify that moment. So that's what I would say. Same thing with any sort of closing a deal with a client in my business, right? It's not that one thing. I'm not really stressed about the final moment because they're already expecting what it's gonna be. Prior to that though, I advocate that people use success statements. And what those do is exploit a loophole in conversation just back and forth with, with everybody. And it's a way to brag about yourself without actually bragging so that you can even have the conversation about business in the first place. So the way it would work is this. If I ask you, Heather, hey, how's it going today? What would you usually say? Oh, I would, I mean, it depends. I'm like, oh, I'm really busy. I've got a lot of interviews that I'm doing. I'm doing great. Yeah, you're doing great. You're doing fine. If you're just kind of passing somebody in the hall, oftentimes our, our just kind of knee-jerk reaction and reflex is to say, fine, good, great. I mean, you might even be fantastic that day, right? But there's a way to strategize that and say, kind of along the lines of what you were saying of, I'm fantastic. I've got five interviews from my podcast today. Things are going gangbusters. What you're doing is spotlighting your success in a way that could intrigue the other person to ask more. And whether they do or not, you feel good because you've positioned yourself and put out into the world and to an influencer, or decision maker, person who could take action, what you're doing. You are not allowing them to just read your mind and come up with whatever the answer is that they come up with. You're positioning yourself apart. And I think if you put success statements together with just the consistency of being who you are, it's so much easier to close that deal in the end. I love that. I just want to highlight what you said again about, you know, someone says, how are you to, to add that to the end? Because you never know who is in the room that could say, hey, I want to do work with you or, or be like a connector. I always say there's two people. There's, there's the connectors that lead to, you know, the, the influencers that could really, you know, help you. And let, let's talk about that. Like if you want to connect with an influencer and sometimes there's like one or two touch points, what is the conversation around that? So you've got to know who you're talking to and what it is that you want to accomplish. So the example that I use most often and the example that I use in the book is the first time that I met NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. 
Now, I know that Roger Goodell and the NFL have an initiative to bring more female fans into the fold and get them more engaged. And there's a number of different reasons for that. I happen to think that my programming and that me being a sideline reporter for an NFL team is a good match for this. I had studied what the NFL was doing. I knew how I was positioned as it related to the NFL. So the first time I met Roger Goodell, he was on the sidelines of one of our games, and I walked up and I said, hey, Roger, my name is Jen. I work on the sidelines for the Seahawks. I know that you are building the female fan base, and I want you to know I'm doing my part with all of these conferences and seminars in the Northwest. Now, Roger Goodell is a busy man. I could have said a whole bunch of different things, but that whole conversation took 15 seconds. I knew that he was either going to be interested or not going to be interested, but I wasn't gonna make the sell on the spot. He asked me many more questions about how I was helping to further his initiatives on my own. It turned into a five minute conversation that has turned into many exchanges over the course of the years. And while the NFL has not hired me on a grand scale, I do have the ear of the man who can influence a lot of decisions. And in that moment, it wasn't about trying to sell him. It's me telling what I do in relation to what the influencer is trying to accomplish. That's the general formula. Introduction, what you do, how it relates to the other person. I love that because it does create a win-win uh, situation where a lot of times people are like, oh, help promote my cause instead of looking at how is this going to help the influencer. So I think that's really important. And I like the fact that you were saying it's not about having one conversation, not thinking, okay, I'm meeting this person and I have to say everything you know in, in this one conversation. It's, it's really about a plan, right? Absolutely, because influencers are busy too. You know, we're all busy in our lives, and if they're not expecting to have that conversation, you're not going to get the result that you're looking for. In fact, it might not even position you as the best person for the job if you don't get kind of the general feel of that conversation and have the awareness. I tell people that it takes about five interactions between me and an athlete before I am guaranteed of getting the interview and having the relationship that I need to have with that person. It's about the same in business. So what you need to be able to do is to plan out four or five interactions, whether that's in person, email, handwritten note, phone call, voicemail, whatever it is, that's your plan. It's not about delivering the perfect elevator pitch. I hate to tell you, but an elevator pitch doesn't do a whole lot these days. I, I, I so appreciate that because I, I, I kind of cringe, you know, you think about, oh, you know, I gotta, I gotta say my elevator pitch or you hear someone, you know, say theirs. And to me, it kind of feels like a disconnect because you're really not creating a powerful conversation. And I'm all about having meaningful conversations instead of like, oh, this is what I do. And here's my business card. <laughs> exactly. And I might, I might need to engage your services later on down the road, but it's far better to have a positive connection and conversation. Just give somebody a little nugget. If they're interested, they will ask you the follow-up questions. If they're not, don't try to force your agenda. Turn the conversation back to them. 
have a different reason to keep going in that conversation. But yeah, it, it really is not trying to get an action taken right then and there. Absolutely. Uh, now, you talk about in your book about, you know, being open to creating bigger opportunities. Mm-hmm. So part of what you were saying is like, you've got to nurture those relationships. Is there anything else that you can say about that? About, you know, I, I talk a lot about mindset and why mindset is important. You know, you, it, you, you can know the action steps, but if your mind isn't aligned to your vision, then you're not going to take the action. So what are your, what are your thoughts on those? Well, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can talk yourself into more opportunities. And one of the first things I would do is tell people to look for ways to fail. Yes. And I I realize that that sounds counterintuitive. And I don't mean like fail like in a big, huge, oh my gosh, I drove the forklift into the wine bottles and there's no (laughs) wine production for the entire year kind of mistake. But people are drawn to the archetype of the hero, right? It's in every movie, every book we've ever read. If you never find a way to fail, not only do you not get a chance to practice how you're going to respond to adversity, let others see how you respond to adversity, but you take yourself out of the equation to be the hero of your own story. When you are looking for ways to fail, and we joke about it all the time, being on TV and radio, you know, I don't ever want to flub a line on live television. I don't want to ever lose my train of thought during a post-game interview. But when it happens, it's fairly easy for us to laugh off because we know we get to come back and do it again, like in three hours or in 12 hours. That little mistake can be used as a teaching moment. It's a little embarrassing, but it's not detrimental. Find something that pushes you out of your comfort zone, whether it's speaking up in a meeting, offering to give the presentation, initiating a lunch invitation with a manager. Just push yourself outside of your comfort zone a little bit because you are not going to get better and you're not going to find bigger if you don't stretch yourself. I definitely agree. And I I appreciate the fact that you were saying about being okay with failing. And I I look at it as like failing your way up. When I work with CEOs or I've talked to, uh, you know, really high powered CEOs, they they always say it's like, you've got to be able to to fail, fail quickly. And they're taking on bigger accountabilities and challenges because they they look at that. So I, I just, I really appreciate that. If you've got a big goal, You've got to know that it's not going to be linear. And what about your, your big dreams and, and ambitions? Like, like what's, you know, what, what is it, what, what's most important to you in your, in your career? As far as my next steps? Yeah, yeah, like your bigger vision of, of why you feel, you know, like your mission and what you want to do. Like, what is that next step? And what are, what are some of the, the challenges that you're facing? You know, I would say in my sports broadcasting career, I have accomplished more than anybody ever told me I could, more than anybody I think ever thought I I could, just given the environment that I entered into 20-some years ago. But when it comes to being an entrepreneur, um, I recognize that not everybody was, A, gifted uh, I was going to say with the gift of gab, but you know, not everybody is as comfortable doing this. Also, the way that technology has emerged, you've taken away a lot of opportunities to have face-to-face conversations. I'm really working hard to make sure that folks have a resource on how to do this because there are ways to make it less scary, to make it more effective, and to take advantage of more in your career. And that's where I see 
this message going in the next few years. But I'll tell you, you know, it, it's hard because in the business world I've seen as a sports broadcaster, in the sports world, you know, I, they don't take the business side seriously. So there's always this balance of going back and forth on how I deliver a message so that it lands with other folks. Mm, yeah, I, I love that. And I just, you know, I just really want to commend you for your journey and women looking at you, especially in, in your field saying, wow, you know, you, you definitely are a pioneer. So I think that's, I think that's really cool. You know, so what message would you say to women that, you know, want to want to go into industries or fields that are, you know, they're, they're really led by men right now? I would say this, don't let your bias against yourself get in the way. So many people start questions to me with as a woman, and I hate it. I absolutely <laughs> hate it. The minute you start thinking of yourself as a woman instead of as a counsel person or as a firefighter or as a doctor or whatever it is, as a sports broadcaster. I'm not a female sports broadcaster. I'm a sports broadcaster. If you are the one putting the phrase as a woman, you have separated yourself from everybody else. And whether you realize it or not, you have created the barrier to entry, not them. And I guarantee you, my male counterparts never ever go to work saying, as a man, how am I going to do this today? If I start thinking about as a woman, I am now a step behind them. And it's going to cost me over the long haul. I get up and I do what I do very well every single day. There is an opportunity for women to be in any industry and there's an opportunity and an advantage if you look for it. But don't let your own bias get in the way of what could be a really cool career opportunity. Mm, that, yeah, that's a very powerful statement and looking at it through a different lens, just embracing who we are as, as people and saying, I'm not going to let my, my gender define who I am and, and where I can go. So that, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Jen, this has been absolutely uh, fabulous. And if you could share where people could grab your book, where they can learn more about you. Yeah. Website is talks42me.com. Those it's all spelled out. You can download a free chapter of the book and you can order the book straight through Amazon on the website. So that is how you can find me. Awesome. And we're going to put that in the show notes. So make sure whether you're listening to this on iTunes or YouTube, you can click on the link uh, below and find out more about Jen, get her book. It, it's, it sounds uh, really interesting. Actually, I'm going to grab my copy after we're done with this interview. And I just want to close this out today is, is you've, you've got to really know who you are. You've got to be in, an influencer and you have to uh, get really clear on your intentions and have a plan. Until next time, this is Heather Pickin. Take care, everyone. So if you found this show to be fabulous, <laughs> Share with your fabulous friends, rate, review, and subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. Wow. I'll make sure I take a beatbox lesson, right? <laughs> or give my little chihuahua a bone. <laughs> <laughs> That's me.
Fabulous. <laughs>